Hello. Welcome to Playing Favorites. I'm Nathaniel Brummer-Beller. My guest tonight is Todd Hitchcock. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nathaniel. We have known each other for, we were just trying to figure it out, quite a while since I started interning at the AFI Silver in DC, uh, of which you are the director of programming. It was either 2013 or 2014. We seem to be going back and (laughs) forth on that a a little bit. But yeah, you you were our intern at the AFI Silver Theater in Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, you were a great intern. Yeah, you kind of never stopped being our intern. (laughs) You had kind of of an extended internship or externship (laughs) or whatever you want to call it. It was just a lot of fun and it's a lot of really interesting work and people and it was just it was very cool being in the theater and stuff and it was a great time. That's great great to hear. Um, I think we have had some some really terrific interns over the years but but Nathaniel you you are at the top of that list. <laughs> oh wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Have the other ones invited you on their podcast? I was going to say no. <laughs> I, I'm still waiting for my podcast invitations from some of the other intern alums. I feel like I've gotten to know your taste over v- many years of chatting in various French locales. <laughs> uh, some, some happen to be in, in France, that's true. Uh, when we have both been attending in, in whatever capacity, the Cannes Film Festival, and of course mm-hmm. you're doing reviews for various film festivals now. So mm-hmm. so yeah, here, here we are seven, eight years later, and we, we have continued to be in touch about all sorts of film-related stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're very much someone who kind of expanded my view of contemporary cinema, certainly, and all sorts of different things. But you've you've been pointing me towards types of movies and and ways of watching movies and places to find movies I would not have found otherwise. So I have you to thank for that. That's amazing to hear. Well, <laughs> I, I have enjoyed our, our talks about all all sorts of different kinds of movies. I also I will mention that uh, Todd and the AFI Silver team have a fantastic podcast of their own, Silver Streams. Is that every Friday you release? It's pretty much every week and, and comes mm. out on Fridays. And yeah, Silver Streams with uh, my colleagues Abby Elgar and Ben Delgado. And we talk about both the latest films that are opening up that week at the Silver Theater and also something at large, uh, our programmers picks section, which can be different things, but uh, often we uh, do a deep dive on a particular film, whether it's an anniversary year or something topical at the moment and explore Mm. everything worth exploring about that particular film or filmmaker or, or theme. Yeah, I definitely really enjoyed your Goodfellas episode a lot, and it kind of, I remember Abby was pointing out the the comedy in it that I hadn't really focused on before, and then also the Taxi Driver episode where she also pointed out the comedy of it, which I had never really thought about comedy in Taxi Driver, but it was an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, well, you know, I mean the the comedy bit in Goodfellas is is definitely a, a chapter unto itself and over, mm-hmm. over the course of doing a number of these picks I think Abby has has sort of uh cultivated the I'm I see comedy in weird places thing. <laughs> uh so sometimes it's a bit winking uh maybe maybe in the case with Taxi Driver but but with Goodfellas it was 100% yeah. legit what what we uh had to talk about with that one and yeah mm-hmm. so that's 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 become her thing. <laughs> I also have to mention the very small world category that abby grew up very close to where laura grew up which is also yes funny yes. coincidence that is a funny coincidence exactly uh and yeah abby grew up in pool mm-hmm. uh and that's and yeah when we uh we're all in the same place 
for the first time we uh, had that conversation and yeah. mapped all that out. <laughs> but I've invited you here to talk about your favorites, or two of them, anyway. Because it's playing favorites is the it, name of the pod. Exactly, yeah. Right. I thought it was memorable, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I have asked for film, joke, album, and place. Mm-hmm. All of which, as I was saying before, I think are interesting ways of seeing a part of somebody that you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily get to know, even if you know them quite well. So I am very curious to hear your answers. I don't think I know what they're going to be, which is... Part of the fun. Exactly. Well, first I want to ask, what was it like choosing? Because some people find it really easy. Some people think it takes them weeks. So what was it like? Well, you know, to to, to the extent that I prepared going in, <laughs> and, and, and I did a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe some some categories I had an answer at the ready that that's, I've thought about that before and and have an answer I can go to and and others I hadn't really thought about in terms of favorites so the framework of what's your favorite mm-hmm. well when we get to it in a minute I, I I some things I feel comfortable with using that framework on more than other things I guess is what Fair I'm saying. Enough. We'll, we'll talk about that when we, yeah, yeah, when we yeah. get there so can you tell us what they are and when we come to joke don't say the joke just kind of give us the <laughs> idea <laughs> Otherwise oh, man i had this whole routine worked out <laughs> most time on that one well we'll see it might come up okay but okay what do you have for favorite film favorite film okay i would be comfortable volunteering more than one title that i, I would can be believe again, that. comfortable this is my favorite film and maybe we'll talk about that later i don't know but today a film that, you know, going back many years, I've been comfortable saying, if, if I can only pick one, I'm going to go with this one. Today, I'm going to say Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Okay. All right. Interesting. Well, we'll see if that comes up. Okay. 45th anniversary, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe that's how the math works out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, how about joke? Just, just, the, just the idea of it, not the whole thing. Okay. Well... I'm I I kind of I'm not I don't really take to the whole format jokes and and remembering man walks into a bar format jokes and retelling them I you know I I can enjoy those when someone else tells them I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to it but I I've never mm-hmm. retained them so just when you say how many jokes do you remember I I can remember like one like they don't <laughs> they don't stick with me so yeah I think I. I just engage with this in a in a different, and then maybe you can think of a friend who has hundreds at at his or her disposal, not not me. The way I'm wired, I, I don't retain that, so I just feel a little differently about that whole telling set jokes thing. So sure. when when I was told I have to tell you what my favorite joke is, I thought about movie moments, movie lines. Okay, absolutely. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the line, and if if you know it, you know it. If you know the movie, you don't. You you do or don't. And if we talk mm-hmm. about it more, we'll we'll go from there. Because <laughs> yeah. I could give others, but I'm gonna say my favorite joke is obviously you're not a golfer. Okay, all right, fair. We'll see if it comes up. It requires <laughs> yeah. context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's fine. All right. My my favorite would probably be a line from uh, from Veep. So I'm 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 with you on the a list. line from Veep. And can you tell yeah, me what yeah, that yeah. is? No, it's not my episode, Todd. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. <laughs> what do you mean? They're all, you know, in a way, they're all your episodes. <laughs> well, it's about you today. We'll get there. We'll all get right. there. Anyway, we'll get back to it. How about album? There are many potential choices there. Mm. If, if we're playing the, you can only pick one. Well, including like, it could be different choices of album according to different genres of music. Of course, and we haven't talked as much about music as we have about films, but I know you're also a big music guy. So yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> um, just for you, there's a visual on the on the Zoom here. So yes, you get the visual. Excellent. Uh, Wowie Zowie by Pavement. Uh, Todd is holding also, up vinyl edition. Also comfortable saying my favorite band. I'll even right. Show you the the gatefold. But you know, I have lots of bands that are bands that I like a lot. Very and, cool. You know, different eras, different yeah, genres yeah. bring in different answers. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very comfortable. Great indie rock band of the '90s. For those of you who do not know, Pavement and their third album and the double right. album, Wowie Zowie. That's that's my favorite. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Go with that. I was gonna say yeah, we haven't discussed music that much, but I do remember one very specific memory where I think I uh, I misquoted Public Enemy and you uh, corrected me <laughs> with the entire <laughs> like the full lyrics of Fight the Power. I think. <laughs> well. God, I'm embarrassed like, hearing what? you tell me that back. <laughs> that sounds so teacher. <laughs> and you like did the whole thing basically. And I was like, oh, okay. I have been, I've been I'm only going to say, you know, growing up 80s and 90s, I uh, I did watch a lot of Yo MTV raps. Fair. Uh, which yeah. do you even do you even know what that is? I have I mean, no idea. It's pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the uh, late afternoon block of yeah. of rap videos mm-hmm. uh, in the late 80s. It was on. Mm-hmm. So, that's film Dragon album. How about place? Gotta pick one. Uh, tricky, of course. I am going to say the Orkney Islands. Okay. Off of the mainland of Scotland. Wow. Are you ready to find out which two we're going to talk about? Yes. All right. Choice number one. Yes. Film. Film. Of, of course, it's film. <laughs> of okay. course, it is. And is it genuinely random? I'm just not ready. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You gotta believe me. Okay. Number two. Ready. Place. There you go. Oh. All right. Okay. Film in place. Film in place. All right. So, tell me about the film. You know, as I mentioned, the film is Taxi Driver, and you can yeah. hear a lot about what I think about it on <laughs> the Silver Streams podcast. Is this just a massive plug? <laughs> a minor plug, uh, <laughs> which we just discussed uh, two episodes mm-hmm. ago. So yeah, it's very, I listened very to recent, it. near the top of the queue. I think it's episode thirty-six. But you didn't talk for that long, so you can you can. I didn't talk for that it. long. I said some things about it, <laughs> there, did, but did, yeah. not necessarily. And this is why it's my favorite film. So that's what you'd like to hear today. Well, the whole "what is your favorite film?" very very difficult concept to plug yeah. into. I mean, so much of what we love about film is the variety and and different films and different films, different genres, different moods, different times of year, different phases of life, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with Taxi Driver just because it made such an impression on me when I first saw it. And it it was one of those, maybe you can think of examples that apply for you. It was definitely, it was one that I had heard about. There was a little bit of this lore around Mm -hmm. and awareness of before I ever saw it. And Actually, maybe the, the first thing that kind of entered my consciousness was college in, in the early 90s and dorm mm-hmm. room posters. And uh, Travis Bickle Mohawk phase was definitely a dorm room poster that was around at the time mm-hmm. and that you could get at yeah. the time, you know, mixed in with your Clockwork Orange and your Ansel Adams photography and your MC Escher <laughs> engravings. Those are probably the, yeah. the big four. Of, a lot uh, of that hasn't changed. 1990. <laughs> I, well, I haven't, I haven't set foot on a campus and looked in a, peeked in a dorm room in a while to know, but you're, you, you have, and you're confirming for me still pretty popular choices. <laughs> Just throw Pulp Fiction in there. And it's I, I had a feeling Pulp Fiction probably yeah. <laughs> sold a lot of posters as well. So, and at that point, it's like, okay, I kind of know what that movie is. I, I haven't seen it for myself yet, and I, I believe the first time I saw it, 
you know, maybe it was after college. It was, it was either still in college or immediately after college. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a, a lot of films I saw for, for the first time uh, attending AFI back when I was at the Kennedy Center after I moved to mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. In, in 1994. And mm -hmm. other theaters around town that were showing repertory, like the National Gallery of Arts, Mm -hmm. Library of Congress used to have a, an interesting screening program back then. So, yeah, my you know film education for me was not just what I did as an undergrad. It very much was a continuation in my 20s. And Washington, D.C. was really uh, a terrific city for for that kind of programming all, all through that era. Mm -hmm. And we still had private entities like the Key Theater in Georgetown and the Biograph in Georgetown that, that mm -hmm. did really amazing programs as well. So... Very, it was a different era. So yeah, Taxi Driver is probably like, I, I finally caught up to it first on VHS tape, and then the first time I saw it in the theater, meaning the first real time seeing it. And uh, I, think, I think there was a, a proper re-release of it, and that's, that's how I saw it on screen. And I think for most people, whether or not you are the biggest fan of it or not, it makes an impression because it's just an, an, an amazing film, which, you know, it's the way that it uses the heavy content and the violent content, the skill with which that's deployed, the way in which we're sucked into the headspace of Travis Bickle and, 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 and the way that's effective and the fact that it's a, an amazing performance by one of our greatest actors of all time, Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. all, all that stuff. Um, so, of course, it's going to make an impression whether or not you say, and, and that's that's my favorite film. Mm -hmm. Why it's a, it's a film that I'm comfortable putting in that category, it also just represents so much of what's great about Martin Scorsese's filmmaking, about um, 70s American filmmaking bound up in mm -hmm. this movie. Um, you know, it's it's not so much that I, I like the, the vigilante aspect of it or the quasi-horror film aspect of it, because that's not really mm. my taste generally. Mm. It it just, it, it takes you into this world so fully and scene to scene to scene are, are doing different things and, and all of the filmmaking elements are collaborating to make each scene memorable uh, in its own way. And yes, it's it's about the De Niro performance, but there's other great performances along the way. I mean, everyone remembers Jodie mm -hmm. Foster and, and Harvey Keitel. One thing that was really interesting revisiting it uh, recently for the podcast, mm -hmm. noticing that they're actually lower build in the cast list. And then you, when you revisit it, you also realize, well, if you added up the minutes on screen, it's actually lower than the higher build Sybil Shepard and Albert Brooks. Character. Yeah. So that's sort yeah, of like yeah, yeah. things that you're, you, once you file it away in your memory, it's easy to uh, lose track mm -hmm. of. So, and mm -hmm. and Albert Brooks and and Sybil Shepherd are are really terrific in the movie, as well. And yes, there's a little bit of comedy, especially in that first scene with the two of them in the uh, in the campaign office. Yeah. It, just a little teeny nod mm -hmm. towards screwball comedy and uh, mm -hmm. repartee going on there because you know Martin Scorsese cares about these things. Another big aspect of what I really really love about the film is that it smuggles in all of these french new wave touches with the the mm. voiceover and the montage that's attached to that and the camera work you know exploring the apartment or the street scenes driving around or the what looks sort of like uh guerrilla style verite shots stolen from just walking around new york of that moment in time 1970 the summer of 1975 mm when it was filmed and how different that is from a standard Hollywood movie. You can find a little bit of that in, in some films from that era, but not, 
I don't think anything with as much as you get in Taxi Driver. So it's it's very much a studio Hollywood film of its moment at the same time that mm -hmm. it's pulling in other ideas about filmmaking from non-Hollywood sources. Um, of course, Paul Schrader's talked about how Robert Bresson was a huge influence and specifically his film Pickpocket, but I, I think other other films mm -hmm. made by Bresson and he he's written extensively about Bresson and in one of his books as well. But yeah, that's that's not just some reach for it comparison. That's fully baked in according to the the, the filmmakers uh, intentionally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's 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 pulling together this sort of sophisticated international idea about filmmaking with the grungiest mm -hmm. of, of of filmmaking with the full-on exploitation horror film elements that come later later on bankrolled by by a Hollywood studio. Yeah. That wouldn't mean that much of the film was just okay, but it's pretty amazing. And hold holds up so well over over time, over over multiple viewings. Mm. And and I'll, I'll just I'll just close by adding even though I I've now seen it at least half a dozen separate times, uh it's still there are still lines like did I pick up on that line before <laughs> that yeah. hang hang with you. So the the line where Travis Bickle says something about women, it's like they got a union. I just found particularly hilarious uh, in this most recent <laughs> recent. Year. Yeah, I was listening recently because obviously there was yours, and there there are multiple other film podcasts that were really going deep and so on and so forth. And I remember getting a lot of great info from yours, and I remember listening to there were a couple of actors talking about Bick, well, I say Bickle De Niro's performance, but it's he's almost a complete realized person, obviously. But how there was they were picking up all these all these little bits that like like you were saying they hadn't noticed until the third or fourth time and one of the ones they really touched on was how when he's talking to Palantine in the cab and he says you should flush the whole city down the fucking toilet and like Flint and like winces because he cursed and he shouldn't have done that <laughs> and apparently that was just totally De Niro's own own mm -hmm. decision just act like no, no no Bickle wouldn't I I shouldn't be crass in front of a, a, an oh, important wow. man. You know, and it's like these tiny That's like a micro reaction things. that you, you may or may not pick up yeah. on in, in one viewing, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and these actors are saying, like, that's the type of thing that yeah. separates the wheat from the chaff. You know, now I gotta go things. back and watch that scene again and, and try to spot <laughs> that. I watched it uh, with Laura uh, over the first couple weeks of lockdown, and she noticed something that I hadn't really picked up on, which is, like, kind of how sweet he is. Because I think, for me... Even even more so than I think when you first saw it for me, yeah, Taxi Driver has grown over the last forty five years, or I guess thirty five years or whatever when I when I saw it the first time. Um, as this film of extreme intensity and it's really violent and nasty and upsetting, and that's you know before I'd seen it, and I think there is a way that it has a grotesqueness that is unlike a lot of things that are made today i mean even its imitators i think haven't gone quite as crunchy and grim and 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 difficult as some of its scenes do i mean having the child prostitutes and having scorsese's little cameo as a horrifically racist guy i mean there's all these nasty bits in there that i think a lot of films now just don't go there um for various reasons but i remember when i watched it too i was like expecting to get really horrible at any moment and i was like no you right like right there's this lore around it like oh this is a really extreme mm -hmm. movie like th this is going to be a tough yeah. watch this this is going to be and then then you you see it for yourself and well y yes there's that aspect to it but it's it holds back for so long you know that that yeah and and a, and a lot of it in the early going is is setting up 
the, the world that you're looking into and and then yeah. it plays those cards later on and it's very effective yeah. when it happens but it's not like it's non-stop wall to wall and you see so much of of where he begins and and the the, the process yeah. in a way that doesn't make it sympathetic necessarily it doesn't make it like oh he's not at fault you know, at any point it's not like it just exonerates him but um i just remember it really sticks in me the line where he's talking about the coffee he had and and like uh, i got a i got a slice of apple pie with a bit of melted cheese on top uh in the yeah in <laughs> the like, diary and, and yeah. also that's that's yeah. the uh that's the date on offer when he asks out uh sybil shepherd betsy what's your thought about that with the symp- the sympathetic thing the well, I think I think that's one where we can't <laughs> exactly act like he's a good guy. But it's, 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 it's <laughs> interesting. I mean, you're saying Laura uh, allowed for a certain amount of, of sympathy, and I, I've heard other people talk about that. Well, I think I think I think we were just discussing the fact that he, because I think she also like had had less of the expectation that I did when I first saw it that like this is gonna go nuts anytime you know I mean and so she's watching like like up until the point where it does go nuts he is a lonely confused guy who seems well I'm sure you 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 can you can say it better than me but yeah he does come off as someone who who isn't destined to become you know death wish right the beginning and 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 his and his and his commentaries about the scum and the and and the villainy you know they're nasty but they're not outright hateful in the way that certain maybe over the, the 80s kind of more ma- macho characters are just a really true <laughs> thinly true. veiled xenophobia whereas he's kind of not making a bad point about some of the street corners that he's looking at well i mean the first factor i think that is complicating our relationship with this screen character is De Niro and the the fact that there's some well, yes. natural charisma and likability there even when he's playing extreme characters mm-hmm. and and that it's not just mm-hmm. De Niro it's it's other actors in, in the Hollywood system as, as well as just the way we're trained mm-hmm. watching Hollywood movies that if this is the main character we're supposed to identify them with them in a positive way and yeah how few examples don't ask you to do that and, and ask you to do yeah. a feature-length film sit down with someone unlikable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so some of that's just baked in but i think there's also in the early going the possibility the perceived possibility that he may be redeemable and and that he's you know there's a going to be a learning process here and maybe he'll figure it out including early on mm-hmm. that scene it kind of wrong foots us that he seems so confident when he walks in to ask betsy out on a date and he's got it together at least at that moment. Mm-hmm. Sybil Shepard yeah. does a, a great performance, kind of we're sensing that she's trying to add it all up and calculate it, and she decides that he yeah. reminds her of this character from a Chris Christopherson song, so she says yes to going on a date for him, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, well, the second date goes really, really, really badly. Oh, that's such a as we know, scene. as we know. Uh, and for those yeah. of you who don't know, you can check out the movie and get caught up on it. But yes. uh, then we realize that mm-hmm. Travis is dealing with some heavier issues and the movie proceeds down its heavier path from there but uh yeah yeah, you know there's an analog i think with norman bates and psycho that we we know he's got the split personality and that he's murderous but there's still Mm -hmm. something that we're sympathetic to about him as Mm -hmm. portrayed Mm -hmm. by anthony perkins so i mean if if you think if you think about it well if the character was made less sympathetic would the movie work work as well it'd be, I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be a different movie no, if it was a more yeah, just like yeah. cut and dry mm-hmm. villain character I mean that'd be a very very different mm-hmm. thing and 
it is it is hold up very well. It is still fascinating to watch because it's you never really know what's coming next, even if you've seen it before. No, no, you don't, and and that's I think that's a great yeah. credit to the movie, um, and and that it mm. that that you're watching in that kind of anticipation that it's holding your attention, but mm. you really you can't possibly predict where 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 it's going, and it just continues to to wind that story out. But there, there's one more thing you said mm. about. We we know that Travis is racist, and I would add sexist to that list too. And I and I love oh, the way sure, it's yes. communicated subtly. It's not necessarily through speechifying, but there's yeah. some really, I, I think, intentional editing and and reactions. And again, De Niro and those micro reactions that you're talking about, like that micro flinch mm-hmm. when he's talking to Palatine, mm-hmm. and often like he'll he'll do kind of like double takes around black characters, and he just. Very subtly, I think it's communicated that there's mm. something going on in his head and his reaction that seems like it gets mm. him off his game when he's having those interactions. And then when you combine yeah. it with the things that are said and and you know where where it goes from there and his feelings about the city, yeah. So yeah. I I think that that the movie manages to play that card. It's just done in some some really subtle storytelling ways. Yeah. <laughs> one of those podcasts discuss it. I'm curious what you say. Where? What is Travis Bickle in 2021? Oh, Who is he? Is he? Uh, <laughs> is he an incel? Is he on? Is he QAnon? I mean, <laughs> did he storm the Capitol, or or is he just kind of? Is he nowhere? Is he? Is he a taxi driver? <laughs> you know? What do you think? Whoa! Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know that's a, that's a tough question. Yeah, boy, that is real. That is a tough question. I mean. So much of the specificity of this with 75 New York City, that's that's just gone mm. because Manhattan yeah. is a completely different place than than the version of it we see in mm. 1975 movie coming out in 76. So so the first thing is like different mm. world. Yeah. But what is, what is he doing? And, and also, if we believe that he's a Vietnam veteran, mm, we, he's the only he's the only person that we have that knowledge from. But let's just. Uh, Except that he is, and and again, that was another trope in '70s films with returning vets. Yeah. Not that this is my area of expertise. Uh, I, I'll just go on my my general sense of it. But we don't we don't have a direct analog with that now. And and the forever wars of Iraq and Afghanistan those play differently in terms of what the return mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. is. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's a difference as well. So an Iraqi war. Uh, Gulf War veteran driving an Uber. I, I just don't know. If that's the setup for <laughs> taxi yeah. driver in the 2000s. Let, let let alone right in this moment in time. But um, yeah. I mean, whoever this character is and, and whatever his um, mental challenges are, I mean, that's that's still real. But just so so mm. many of the specifics are gone. I wouldn't suggest making that movie. <laughs> Hollywood, yeah. please don't reboot Taxi Driver. Yeah. The you know the 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 idea that um, that uh, the internet would be the the place where he's um, focused his his attention and his anxieties mm. I, I I do think that's plausible though, and again <laughs> that turns it turns into a movie I I, I don't think I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Last thing I'll say is I just, I mean you, I'm sure you know this already but I just think it's hilarious that uh, I think it was in the 40th anniversary De Niro at some event said. You people have been coming out to me saying you talking to me for forty years. I have other lines in other movies. <laughs> Stop it. I'm I'm glad he got that off his chest. <laughs> to so hear them funny. tell it, it mm. it wasn't like and Bob, here's the big line in the movie. This is the one everyone's gonna be quoting back mm. to you for years. It was it was just 
kind of this improvisatory thing. You know, it's yeah. not in the script. Yeah. The the mirror, like interacting mm-hmm. with himself in the mirror is in the script, but what the line was De Niro came up with and according to him it was kind of a riff based on something he had seen a comedian a stand-up comedian doing mm, recently yeah. any final thoughts on Taxi Driver it's really interesting I did not know that was your favorite movie well it is today yeah. <laughs> um, I, well to that I'll just say like I I would be comfortable saying Citizen Kane is my favorite movie and I you know I, I know mm. that that maybe mm. seems like Oh, you can't pick that one. That's it. That's that's everybody's, or it's or actually it's nobody's. I don't know. But actually, I I Citizen Kane for for this reason because I yes, I think it's great. I also think it's in that super rare category of truly being ahead of its time with what it's doing with filmmaking and yeah, filmmaking overall catches up to it eventually. But coming out in forty one, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. no, like this is. <laughs> and and like two, oh, 2001 yeah. is the only movie I put in that category that it's truly mm-hmm. in the moment it came out can be said to be ahead of its time and that filmmaking would mm-hmm. eventually ke- catch up to what, what was going on in that particular film. But, but to, yeah, mm-hmm. Citizen Kane just got a, a, a lot of things to, to appreciate. Uh, and then Chinatown is, is, a, is another one that I'm comfortable saying, you know, that, that one may be less so about how it's reinventing filmmaking, but... Uh, it's it's just it's just an amazing filmmaking right again america hollywood 70s i i can watch that over and over again i just (laughs) really really enjoy fantastic yeah and and appreciate the everything that makes that movie the rich experience that it is that is one where i watched that recently i think that one is very funny oh yeah there's there's definitely some (laughs) that one has loads of jokes jokes. along the way yeah yeah sure i'm i'm comfortable with if you have to pick one you know alternate versions mm-hmm. but yeah ta- taxi driver is one that when when the question must be answered i've i've been comfortable citing in the past and and i'm citing it today well i think that was an interesting chat can we hear place i'm really We're still gonna talk about place yeah. it came up. okay yeah. um give us a little ex- what you were gonna say about about why orkney ask the question and and having to come up with an answer it it did sort of bubble up as a as a as a plausible answer. I, I visited there a couple of years ago mm-hmm. along with Inza, my wife, mm-hmm. and you know how how do you get there? I mean, I guess you could fly there, but uh, from the mainland you take the ferry, and I've I've taken ferries to get to island locations, a couple of different places, and I, I always enjoy that that process. And we were going to hike, and a little birding along the way because we've gotten more into like the the birding part of it. it started with the mm-hmm. hiking, but now we're now we're doing the birding too, and and enjoying that and now we've got proper cameras and we're doing more photography you know just getting through the whole pandemic the last last year hiking getting out into nature for me uh for both of us has has been a really major component of that Mm -hmm. uh so this was 2019 Mm -hmm. in the before times when we visited orkney and we visited other places in scotland in in previous years Mm -hmm. but it it had so much to to recommend it in terms of a vacation destination with the the famous scarabray archaeological site unearthed neolithic village mm-hmm. and then just the natural beauty and 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 the coastlines and the cliff sides it was just this magical place and it was beautiful summertime weather and the seabirds that nest on the cliffs including puffins mm. i mean they got puffins there so it's amazing <laughs> you got this beautiful farmland and these farms just these really idyllic farms and mm-hmm. very happy looking cows i mean it was just a beautiful country idol and and just beautiful 
unspoiled landscapes to to traipse traipse around and mm-hmm. look out to the sea and, and explore the cliff sides and on the trails and people who live there seem to be happy that the food was amazing you got the combination mm-hmm. of farm fresh and and uh seafood going on yeah there's fascinating history uh and 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 the way in which uh so much of england has this uh settlement coming from scandinavia coming from across the the north sea mm. and orkney which we think of as remote and and little inhabited now but historically it was it was the highway to to mainland scotland and and, and the rest of great britain mm-hmm. so you kind of have to reverse your understanding of how much well settlement was coming from from the northeast uh, across the sea that way so mm-hmm. there was a point that orkney had you know was was thriving uh, thousands of years ago so yeah, so it combined this as a as a vacation destination. It had this wonderful combination of of the natural beauty appeal and the mm-hmm. historical, and yeah, just a really special place. You you gotta want to get there. It's a little bit of an effort to to get there, but it really pays off. And I'm looking forward to visiting it again someday. So I also realized in sort of planning how to answer this that if you ask me again in a few years when we get back to when we can actually travel places, <laughs> that often. The answer is going to be the last place I visited <laughs> like like this, but that's okay. I thought you were going to say, you know, when we ask again, when lockdowns lift, you're just going to say outside. <laughs> outside. Oh, I'm not clever enough. I missed that. That would have been a great one, and I blew my chance jawing on about Orkney. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean no offense to any Scots who might be listening, but <laughs> could you understand the accent? <laughs> I mean, short answer, yes, but there, okay. there are times when you're like, can you say that again? That, that kind of thing, but that's okay. That's that's part of the fun, right? It's that's part of the getting fun. Getting to know a totally it's, different place, yeah. It's a beautiful accent. I absolutely love it, mm. and and um, you know, hope hope to to be able to imitate it better in the <laughs> in the future because it's it's fun. We're already talking about maybe we'll go back and maybe mm-hmm. we'll explore Shetland. You know, it, mm, yeah. Or- Orkney is just the first stop. If you can continue on to the Shetland Islands, sure. Uh, yes, I really I encourage people people to go there and mm-hmm. and beyond. Scarabray, which has been excavated a long time ago and is is pretty famous. There are other archaeological sites and both stone circles and excavated villages. There's a, a major dig going on right now. Hmm. The site in progress is called oh, wow. Stilbragdar. Wow. And what's interesting yeah. about this is you could fit five Scarabrays in the in the size of this. And there were two separate stone circle settings, sort of like north and south of, of the mm-hmm. map that uh, Nathaniel gets to see here. <laughs> yeah, so Todd is, is holding up this very cool. Is it a tote bag? Is it? Yeah, it's a tote bag with a map on it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it. Who who knows if it will ever um, graduate to being fully excavated and 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 open to the public in the way that Scarborough is. That's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not yet known. But I think they've already been working on it for like twenty years. Wow. And if you show up at a certain time of day, you can take the public tour, and it, it was it was amazing to see an active, large scale, uh, Neolithic era archaeological site. So yeah, another mm-hmm. uh, another fun thing you can do if you visit the the Orkney Islands. Are you a big archaeological site seeker? I I haven't had the opportunity to. I mean, mm. I, I'll, I'll to- totally casual interest, you know, Indiana Jones level. That's that's <laughs> what I'll I'll say too. Uh, I have a cousin who is a professional archaeologist, though. Oh, really? Well, that's cool. Yeah, 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 which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very nice. You should have her on the show sometime. I'm sure I will. 
<laughs> this can go on forever, remember? <laughs> yeah. To... Yeah. Yep. Love to. Her name her name is Jennifer Bannister and I am I am hi Jen. I'm bragging. I'm bragging about your cool job. <laughs> well, I'll have to have you back when you've been to the new site and then you can talk about your even more favorite place, that specific new dig. My my new favorites, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well that'll that'll be fun. Hey. An update. I've changed my mind. That could be your new podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've On changed second my thought. mind. <laughs> Reconsidering favorites. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's been it's been great talking to you as well. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thank thank you for having me as your guest. And everyone check out Silver Streams and the of course the online featured films, which are oh, great. Uh do I get to make a plug? Yeah. Uh, well, okay, yes. So I, I, I work for this uh, this art house movie theater in the Washington, D.C. area, Silver Spring, Maryland, and it's the AFI Silver Theater. So if you check out afi.com slash silver, you can see the various films we have on offer. And, um, yeah. I can attest. It's a great place. Yeah, well, again, Nathaniel's, uh, I don't know if it was your first internship, but it was uh, a, a big one. And mm-hmm. then, well, you've... You've come back many times over the years to, to see stuff. And you will again eventually. Yes, so we, we can get back to doing those kind of normal fun things. I know it's not person. technically in DC, but it's one of my favorite DC it's the spots DC, to me. DC area. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's, it's literally on the border of. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Todd. It's been really fun. Thanks, Nathaniel. I'll have to have you back. Yeah. All right. We can do that. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. This has been Playing Favorites. Many more episodes coming soon, twice a week. Good night. Say second-handed love I can't see. It's good for some, but not for me. You can't be mine.